It is Tuesday, October 24th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The Vikings defeat the 49ers on Monday Night Football. And is the Astros dynasty dead? Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Vikings beat the Niners to close out week seven of the NFL. The Texas Rangers going to the World Series as they win game seven over the Astros. And Phillies Diamondbacks will see a seventh game as well. What is the Vegas lead, Scott? We're definitely going to get into the baseball in a few minutes, but we'll start with Monday night football that wrapped up week seven in the NFL because we're going to be joined by the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. But first, AJ, the Vikings defeating the 49ers 22-17 on Monday Night Football. How does it change your opinion on both of these teams after what you saw last night? This was a like the the narrative about the Vikings has been Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is going to get traded. The Vikings don't want to be around. This felt nothing like that. This was maybe Kirk Cousins best game of the season. Kirk Cousins thoroughly outplayed Brock Purdy. Uh, even without his best weapon on the field, Jordan Addison looks like a good investment for the Vikings, particularly with Justin Jefferson out. Uh, this was a, a Kirk Cousins game. He needed a game like this to kind of silence the doubters. And Minnesota, even three and four is not ideal. Don't get me wrong. But at three and four, you're certainly not out of the mix. And the fact that the, the Vikings could get a win like this over the Niners it lets you know that this team is still pretty solid. You know, they were they were probably a little overrated last year. I think they're probably a little underrated this year. Uh, as far as the 49ers, it, you know, they, listen, they're dealing with it right now. Uh, McCaffrey clearly wasn't himself last night. Uh, George Kittle left the game for a while, came back and and went over our, uh, our reception prop, at least. Thank goodness. Uh, but it, obviously no Debo Samuel. So it, there's there's lots of things going on with the Niners right now, but I think that game last week took it out of them. This was a dogfight last night after a dogfight a week ago. So uh, you can only you can only do that so many weeks in a row before it starts to show. And and right now it's showing for the 49ers. You know, you mentioned Christian McCaffrey, and there was a time in the game he didn't even miss an offensive snap. So all the questions about whether or not he would play, he played and he played all game, but only 15 carries for 45 yards. He did score now 16 straight games, but it wasn't like the 49ers were out here establishing the run. It wasn't like they they put the ball in his hands and they made that the focal point of their offense like they would have if he was healthy. Yeah, it, it wasn't a, a Christian McCaffrey game plan, which is odd in a way. Um, the, the 49ers, like it seems to be their identity, and this was another example of where they went away from it. But also, the last two weeks have been weird because it, they're, it's the first time we've seen games where the Niners weren't seemingly in full control for the whole game. So maybe the game plan changes a little bit when they're not having their way. And and last night was another example, the second straight week, second straight week that their offense didn't have their way. Well, here to help us break down more of Monday Night Football is the only two-time winner of the Super Contest, Mr. Steve Fezzik. And Fez, heading into this game, we saw the line drop down in favor of the Minnesota Vikings. Was Minnesota the sharp side of this game with money coming in on them? 
I believe so. The Really, the Cleveland game was a war for the Niners. And you looked at Debo getting injured, offensive line injury, and C-Mac not being 100%. I think that the hangover from the Cleveland game carried over into this game. How much how much would you say the it was affected by because with this opened at eight and a half and quickly got hammered down uh you know below seven and then it got back up to seven. How much of it was not so much the team but the number? Like you wanted to be on the right side of the seven on this game. You know, it's a great observation because so often I hear, oh, the short money is on the Vikings or the short money is on the Niners. And the truth is, if it opened five, all we would talk about is how every wise guy was betting the Niners. And if it opens eight, every wise guy is betting the Vikings because the true number probably should have been right around six and a half where it closed six and a half, 6.7. I will say so often, it's just a couple plays can change everything in a game. And I would say the book ends on the first half. I'm curious to see if you guys agree. So the Niners are going in, they look like they're styling and they fumble. And then at the end of the first half, the Vikings pick up a cheap seven points. Those two plays literally were the difference between the Niners winning this game by five and them losing by five, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, the Addison pulling the football away from Ward and then scoring the touchdown at the end of the first half certainly uh, changed the way that this game was going to play out. I thought the 49ers did look good in that second quarter and for that for the Vikings to get that touchdown, knowing that the 49ers were going to get the football to start the second half, I think was huge. Now, San Francisco didn't score on that opening possession. It was the Vikings who opened up the scoring in the second half. But yeah, when if it's 10-7 going into the half, it's a lot different than 16-7 for sure. And what's interesting, I guess you could argue, well, we lost seven points at the start of the first quarter, but we picked them up at the end of the first half. So the under was correct. I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a game specialist in terms of what to do. And I want to ask both of you, why is it that NFL teams, when there's just seconds remaining in the first half of the game, why aren't you just tackling all the receivers at the line of scrimmage, grabbing the Jersey blatantly defensive holding five, three flags fly five yard quarterback runs around for eight seconds. Nobody's open five yard defensive holding. I, I, there are rules. I believe that you're, if you have intentional penalties on back-to-back plays, no time goes off the clock, but that's only on back-to-back plays. Why wouldn't you do that every single time in a situation like that? And basically you're the Vikings probably don't even get to hell Mary range. If the Niners do that, the last two plays of the first half, it's something that I would, I'd, I'd love to see a team actually do because it's one of those things that we talk about kind of like, you know, we can talk about players taking knees or not scoring touchdowns or defenses, letting teams score. There's a lot of things that we talk about in the, uh, I don't want to say just us in the media or us as fans. I want to say it's in the the Madden verse that is football watching. Like we all, we can all play Madden and do what we would do in the video game, but it doesn't exist in real life football. Fez. To give the Vikings credit, they did play Madden with three minutes to play, where instead of just running the ball, punting and losing, they aired it out on third and I think it was third and eight and got the penalty and the completion, picked up the first down, got the clock down to minute 10, and ultimately even missing the field goal, the Niners basically just didn't have enough time without timeouts to be able to run their offense. So the 49ers lose their second straight game. It's something that hasn't happened in a calendar year. And they're eight, they're five and two now on the season. 
how does this affect your power ranking of the San Francisco 49ers? Or do you look at these two losses? Coincidentally, both Debo Samuel not playing in the in these games. It affects them, certainly weapon-wise. Brock Purdy doesn't look the same. You played against an all-world defense last week in Cleveland. Now you're in a bad spot. How do you evaluate the past two games for the 49ers in regards to your power ratings? So we've had a timber moment. I, I got to be honest. I am the king at buying high on the 49ers. So I talked about how important. Get at the Niners plus 460. Uh, that was available. Well, I'm confident that will be readily available now after those two losses. And if you recall, Scott, I'm the one that was yelling, got to bet the NFC plus two and a half. That's a ludicrous number. And it was for two weeks. And now we've had a timber moment. The best team in the NFL, no longer the 49ers. Best team is Kansas City right now. And I also think it's important to note that while, yes, the Niners have had some injury issues the last two weeks, they they played a team that had a backup quarterback and a team that's missing the best wide receiver in the whole wide world. So I don't think anybody's going to cry for for the 49ers injury woes right now. Yeah, and I still think, you know, when you're, when you're watching the Niners, uh, I mean, let's not overreact. They missed a field goal to lose to Cleveland, and certainly they could have won this game. Um Unlucky at the start and the end of the first half, like I mentioned. So the sky's not falling. Um, that's interesting. Are they still the second best team? Let me ask you. Um, Are they better I than have, the Eagles? Yeah, I've got the Eagles. I still have the Niners a half point better. If they played on a neutral, I'd still favor the Niners. I, I think the problem is who, like whoever else you'd like to put in that conversation right now. If if it's not the if if you're if they're ahead of the Eagles. The Lions, the Bills, the Dolphins, they all took a step back this weekend. So it's it's hard to drop them too far. Like dropping them from one to two seems fine. I don't know that you can drop them much further than that. Can't exactly vault the Miami Dolphins above them or the Buffalo Bills. I have a question. I had an epiphany. This show is going to take a little slightly different direction. We're going to talk globally about some things. So we know it's a copycat league. I find it hard to believe, even though he can squat 1,400 pounds, or something like that, that Jalen Hurts is the world's greatest rugby player. So where I'm going, and I get it midfield, it's nice that you could go into the the push, the tush-push formation. You still could throw the ball, potentially. But on the goal line, when you know it's coming, uh, and you're any other team, why not just have a professional, two or three professional rugby players, one to hold the ball, and all he does is squat in practice, and two big fat guys to like one guy is the it holds your um your 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 jack your, your flak jacket in place and pushes upwards and the other fat guy pushes the other rugby player forward. If it's unstoppable for Jalen Hurts, your franchise quarterback, imagine what you could do if you didn't have to worry about damaging your rugby player with the ball. Well, maybe that's what NFL teams are starting to do. They're going to start scouting the rugby ranks and should try to find guys that can go in and run that tush push because right now no one's better than both Jalen Hurts and Jason Kelsey at running this play. Do you guys remember it was like 2013, 2014 when uh, Blake Bell was the backup to to Baker Mayfield at OU and they did the similar thing. Like they would bring him out on the field, Blake Bell, who's currently a, a tight end for the Chiefs, but Blake Bell would just go out and they called it the bell dozer. And all he would do is get the ball and drive forward and get the last two yards. Like this isn't a new thing. It's just, it's, it's, Right now in the NFL, it's the thing that everybody's trying to to figure out a way to do. 
Blake Bell could be the most uh, miscast player in the history of the NFL because he is playing for the Chiefs, the one team that you would never not put that starting quarterback behind center. So Blake Bell should transfer, and they should <laughs> they should have Blake Bell playing for the Bengals so Burrow doesn't get injured so they can do the bush, tush, push, or whatever it's being called. Let's go back to Monday Night Football, and I want to talk about the Minnesota Vikings. Um, this was a team last year, Fez, that was 11-0 and in one-score games. And this year, it seems like every game has been a one-score game, and they have four losses already this season in those one-score games. But looking at their schedule now moving forward, Packers, Falcons, Saints, Broncos, Bears, Raiders, Bengals, then it's Lions, Packers, Lions to end the year. Right now, at 3-4, and four, would you bet Minnesota Vikings to make the playoffs at plus 200? No, because they're a below average team, you know, um, not well below average. They're right where they were last year. I know they won 13 and four, but there's a reason why in the look ahead line, the Packers are laying two and a half to the Vikings. So now it'll probably be, what do you think that'll come? The, um, I think the Packers will, gosh, I'm, a, I'm, I'm not sure who should be favored. Should the Vikings that? should be favored. The Packers stink. Yeah. Jordan. Love uh, showed I that. understand the Vikings are no good either. I'm, I'm gonna, and, and the Vikings are a dome team going going out, you know, into the elements. Right now, as we record, it's, it's Packers minus one right now. You know what? This is one of those games where it's I'll let the odds makers decide who I bet because whoever's favored, I'm teasing the other guys up yeah. to seven and a half. So it really is that simple. And like Scott, you mentioned, every Viking game is a close game. So what does it matter who's favored? Well, because I got to get plus seven and a half. So whoever wins by seven won't cover. Kirk Cousins uh, going into Monday Night Football was ranked in our combined quarterback composite rankings 13th. But after the performance that he had on Monday Night Football, where he threw for, what did he throw for? 378 yards and two touchdowns. I think he's going to go climb up a little bit on our quarterback rankings. I didn't get an injury update. Uh, wide receiver got injured for the Vikings. So what was the situation? Well, he came back in the game, Jordan Addison. It was a cramp. He came back in. Yeah. I mean, obviously, Justin Jefferson still being out, but Addison looked great with the two scores. And, of course, TJ Hawkinson, he left the game for a little bit dealing with uh, an ankle, but he came back in 11 catches for 86 yards for TJ Hawkinson. So they really uh, utilized him as well. That's going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see what they do moving forward uh, until Jefferson comes back. But, Based on what I saw from the Packers, I have no reason to believe that the Packers should be favored over this Vikings team. You know, if there's a theme from last week, I was thinking about this. And I was thinking, you know what? A mediocre team cannot be laying points on the road against a bad team, right? The, the number one thing, like examples, uh, we look at the New, you know, the, the New York Giants. Uh, <laughs> who are the Washington football team to be laying three on the road. What is what is up with that, right? That was literally my entire handicap on the dream preview. Was how, but who were the how? Raiders to be laying points on the road in Chicago? Exactly. And I understand that you look at these bad teams like the Bears, and you say they've won one of their last 15 games. But um, it sure seems like there's a level of mediocrity in the NFL right now. Well, let me, let me look at my power rating. So how many teams do I have rated worse than average? But all of only them. a field goal worse than average. <laughs> it's literally 14 teams. They're all clustered from AJ. Oh, AJ. 
I have your Chargers. Is this possible? I have them a half point worse than an average team. Have I um, have I downgraded them too much? No, I think mean, I think that's probably fair. They're they're not a very good football team, uh, and yeah, I'm not looking to defend them. I, they're just they're just not good. But I only have like one really bad team, or two bad teams: Carolina and Arizona. And every other team is like, well, and the Bears. I got the Bears because of Badgen, you know, being five points, you know, worse. Let me ask you about Badgen because I, what I saw. I thought he was styling. I I know the Raiders. I I know that Peters doesn't tackle anymore. Apparently that's in his contract. It reminded me of what, what wasn't it Deion Sanders that says, I'm here to cover number seven. Now, you guys got to do the tackling, right? Because he just, just olayed on, on, on whenever someone was running past him. But um, I, I loved the savviness where the, how often do you see a backup quarterback and they talk about the game being too fast for them. And he's running down the field. He's like four yards past the line of scrimmage. And he just routinely fakes lateraling the ball. And of course the defender falls for it. And he just keeps going forward. As opposed to most rookie quarterbacks I see just put their head down, you know, and and they're not doing anything like that. Yeah, certainly a good performance for him. I, I caution everybody, like, let's not go crazy over one game because often we'll see these guys who there's no film on have a good game. And in the next game, they look like, what they are, which, you know, in Badgen's case is a, a D2 quarterback. So uh, I always say, let it play out a little bit. Let's not start thinking that this guy's ac- actually a player. Uh, Cause usually more often than not, these, these unpedigreed guys, you, you see a flash and then it's, it's over in a hurry. You know, Fez, the NBA season starts, was it start tomorrow? I mean, we, we, yeah, we're, it's, it's upon so us. We got NBA, we got NHL, we have the baseball postseason. We have the NFL. We have college football. How, how do we stay on top of all this? We don't. It's impossible. It's the equinox of the sports betting season, I've heard from others, with baseball still going on. I think you got to go ahead and pick your battles. So if you want to start following the NBA, and college basketball is going to be here before we know it, I think I would specialize. And I would just look at a few select teams. If you think if you've done some research and you think certain teams, a few teams are undervalued or overvalued, a lot of my sharps love Oklahoma city, for instance, maybe just watch and focus on a few select teams as opposed to doing the entire league because hockey's going on. Um, and I think if you just pick one league and, and a couple of selective things, even one team like Scott, you've, you've had enormous success with just one player, right? With shots on goal on a team. And you know more about that player and his shots on goal than anybody in the history of Las Vegas. And that's how you win. You know more than the marketplace. Expand upon that for the listeners. Well, yeah. I mean, I was riding Connor Bedard's shots on goal until it failed me, finally. But uh, he had started 4-0 to start the season. And and the market only adjusted after two games. They finally adjusted up one, but they still didn't adjust enough because he was going over his number every single game, wasn't even coming close. And then finally, he went under. So... I, I wrote it until it failed me, but we'll be back on the horse. You know, and what's interesting about that is I, I oftentimes don't do any write-ups with my games. And the reason being is I don't want to alert the marketplace to what I'm doing. So if I'm going to play a, a Connor Bedard over, I don't want people to know, hey, this number's way, it's way wrong. It's way too low. I'm just going to say play over two and a half with no commentary. Like maybe it's a matchup. Maybe it's against this one team as opposed to this is just a dumb number. I'm going to bet this each and every night till they fix it. Because guess what? Now they're going to fix it game five 
Whereas if I don't say anything, they might, they might not fix it till game eight. So um, like the poster child of, ide- of identifying an undervalued team, I think I go back to the year the Loyola team made the final four and they were an 11 seed. And like everybody that knew college basketball was like, this team's really, really good. And they just kept winning and covering. But because they didn't play in the SEC and they didn't play in the Pac-12, no, they just stayed under the radar. Whereas if they'd been a Big Ten team, I think the word would have gotten out a lot faster. Yeah, absolutely. And by the way, the Sports Equinox is coming up next Monday, October 30th. We will have Game 3 of the World Series. We will have Monday Night Football between the Raiders and the Lions, as well as 11 NBA games and 9 NHL games. So next week, happy Sports Equinox. Thanks, Fez. All right, gentlemen. Let's uh, in the in the words of Seat Williams, my friend here in Vegas, keep your chin tucked low and your head up high. Let's be careful. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. How's your social battery right now, AJ? I know sometimes I get drained, and it could be easy to ignore your social battery and just spread yourself too thin, you know, especially when it comes to social gatherings and maybe just things you're not in the mood for. Well, do you know the right amount of socializing you need to do to keep yourself balanced? Therapy can give you that self-awareness and you can build basically your routine that reflects what you need personally. Everybody's different in this way. That was a big driver for me when I was in therapy. I got a lot out of it and it's so easy here Give BetterHelp a try if you've said, I don't want to go out of my way to do this. It's all online. It's as convenient as can be, and it's suited to you. It's simple. Just fill out a brief questionnaire, get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch at any time for no additional charge. Find your social sweet spot with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Vegas today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Vegas. AJ. It's important to me that the supplements that I take every single day are of the highest quality. And that's why ever since they jumped the board as a sponsor with us, I've been drinking AG1. Because for AG1, quality isn't just a buzzword. AG1's ingredients are heavily researched for efficacy and quality. And I love that every scoop has prebiotics, probiotics, digestive enzymes for my gut support, B vitamins for energy. It's got the magnesium and ashwagandha for stress support, also testosterone support, vitamin C and zinc to support my immune system. I don't get sick anymore. Well, you're welcome for introducing you to AG1. Yeah, but uh, I mean, this stuff is incredible. And so many people have asked me, are you just reading commercials? No, man. AG1 is actually legit. And there's a reason why I drink it every single day. It just makes taking care of my health so much easier in general. So if you want to replace your multivitamin and more, start with AG1. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D3 plus K2 and five free AG1 travel packs with your first subscription at drinkag1.com slash SOV. That's drinkag1.com slash SOV. Check it out. We had one Game 7 last night. We will have another Game 7 tonight in the Major League Baseball postseason. Before we get into the National League Championship Series, let's talk about the ALCS, where the Rangers took Game 7 from the Astros 11-4 as the road team wins every game of that series, AJ. Yeah, pretty wild. And uh, this was Christian Javier. This was a a bad day for him. Uh, Failed to get, I mean, he got one out. Didn't get out of the first inning. And it was uh, ground out, home run, walk, single, single, single. 
out of the game and not the not the start you would have hoped for for uh for Christian Javier and it, you know the three earned runs he gave up the that the, the Astros never regained the lead this was a, a an offensive explosion by the Rangers every big spot they got a big hit uh whether it was Corey Seager or uh Evan Carter or Adolis Garcia uh, Mitch Garver, every time they came up with a spot to get a big hit, it, it worked out for him. And Astros just didn't have any answers. Max Scherzer, again, wasn't total. He wasn't really sharp. Didn't look like Max Scherzer, but it was enough. And they went to Jordan Montgomery on two days rest and got through the trouble innings. And by the time he left the game, they were in cruise control. Bruce Bochy, I thought, managed this perfectly, you know, starting with Scherzer and then going, going to Jordan Montgomery. The two of them combined to throw five innings of just seven hit ball, two runs allowed by Scherzer early on, on a home run. And and that was it. And I, I thought this was just a, a better Rangers team than the Houston Astros. I mean, I thought the Astros were going to find a way to get it done with their experience, but experience can only take you so far. And, and they were just outmanaged and outplayed. And Bruce Bochy now 6-0. and in winner-take-all games, including 3-0 in Game 7s in his postseason managerial career. I think I think the difference in this series was, you know, both teams, like if, if you say they, they had a wash one through four uh, in the batting order, it, beyond four in the batting order for the Astros gave them nothing. I mean, Altuve, Bregman, uh, Jordan, and Jose Abreu, I, I, I don't think you can say enough about how well they played uh, in this series, but beyond them, there, there was nothing. For the Rangers, even I mean, Simeon struggled, but Seager, uh, Carter, and, and Adolis, they they had you know they they were all fantastic the entire series, and then they had Mitch Garver, and they had Jonah Heim, and they had uh, Josh Young, and like everybody contributed, and the Astros got nothing outside the top four guys in their order, and that was the difference in in this series, in my opinion. Like you, you, they just had too big of a dead spot, and it's guys like. You know, God bless him, but Michael Brantley, you know, in what was probably his last series with the Astros, just struggled. Uh, Kyle Tucker, who, you know, early this season looked like he was poised to become the Astros' best player, like the undisputed best player on the Astros. And instead, he looked like, you know, Craig Biggio and Jeff Bagwell in their uh, postseason careers. He, he carried on the longstanding tradition of of Astros superstars struggling in the postseason. Jeremy Pena, I mean, I, I don't even think you can say enough about what a disappointment he's been down the stretch. So the, the, the bottom of that order just contributed nothing. And on a day where you really needed to at least have your pitching keep you competitive, it, it felt like in the first inning the game might be over already. But once J.P. France came in and they they lit him up, that that was the end of it. And you don't you don't fault Dusty for going to him there. I mean, you you got a couple innings out of Hunter Brown. He was strong for you. You know, you probably felt like okay, let's try the next thing. And J.P. France just didn't have it either. And uh, overall, it was just a it, it was a it was a rough series for the Astros, but particularly a rough night. And the idea that you couldn't win a single home game. I mean, you, you don't deserve to be going forward. You've got home field, home field advantage for a reason. It made me, it made me laugh. Like maybe the Rangers tanked at the end of the season to make sure they didn't have to play at home and, uh, <laughs> and make sure that there were four road games instead of four in Arlington where they were way more vulnerable. But uh, yeah, what a, what a great series win by the Rangers uh, who, who, like I said, just, it felt like they got contributions from everybody in this series.
Well, there have now been two postseason series all time in baseball history where the road team has won all seven games. Both of them have involved the Houston Astros when they lost both of them. This series and the 2019 World Series against the Nationals. Yeah. Think about that. And you mentioned Adolis Garcia. He homered in four straight games, tying a Rangers postseason record. And he's the first player all time to have an RBI in six straight games within a single postseason series. So the Texas Rangers, by virtue of that win, will host game one of the World Series on Friday. They will have home field advantage in the World Series, although AJ, maybe, maybe, that's maybe not they'll a want good it. Thing. Maybe can you pass? This, right? Yeah. Well, who will they play? We'll find out tonight because the Diamondbacks stave off elimination, beating the Phillies yesterday 5 1, as Merrill Kelly was fantastic. He goes five innings, allows one run on three hits. He struck out eight, uh, had a little debate with Tori Lavello when he was coming out of the game, but I think that was the plan all along as Lavello wanted to go to Thompson. I gave out under 15 and a half on SOVAM yesterday, under 15 and a half outs, and that cashed. However, the number changed to 14 and a half by the time uh, you know the game came around and the day progressed yesterday. So if you played 14 and a half, like I gave out on pregame.com, it was a loser. Here's what we needed to have happen. See, in the, fi- in the fifth inning, Kelly went one, two, three for the, 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 the heart of the Phillies lineup. It was the bottom of the fifth inning. He gets Schwarber to strike out, Turner to fly out, and Harper to strike out. Now, I did not think at all that Tory Lavella was going to let him go against Kyle Schwarber a third time. But he had Thompson ready to go. He had the side, the side armor ready to go. And I think that because Kelly was pitching so well that he let him face Schwarber, it would have a 3-1, he had a 4-1 lead at that point. I think if it's a 1-1 game or a 2-1 game, he doesn't let him face him there. But with a 4-1 lead, he let him face Schwarber. And when he struck out Schwarber, he said, I'm going to let him go batter to batter. And if any of those batters got on base, if Trey Turner got a hit, if Bryce Harper walked, he was going to remove him from the game and Thompson was going to come in. But because Merrill Kelly was able to get through Schwarber, Turner, and Harper, one, two, three, he completes the five full innings and the under 14 and a half is a loser. Yeah, and I wonder bum, if, bum, if, bum. if Marte doesn't get that hit in the, the fifth, the triple in the fifth that, that knocked in uh, Corbin Carroll, and they that now they're up 4-1 instead of 3-1. I wonder yes. what his leash is. But I, I'll be honest, sure. even given all the givens, the fact that he came out after just five innings is surprising to me. That was a debate. And and you know what? I had posted on Twitter the video of him arguing with Tori Lovello. And I said, Tori Lovello just bailed the Phillies out because now the Phillies are going to are going to rake against the bullpen. But then Thompson shut him down and, and Saf ranked did well and, and the bullpen did their job. And I, I tweeted out a, a kind of, you know, not an apology, but I said, we're so quick to criticize managers that we also have to acknowledge when the moves that they make work out. 
and taking Merrill Kelly out of the game there after five innings worked out. It did. So acknowledge that. Good move by Tori Lovello. Diamondbacks even up the series now, and we'll have a game seven tonight where the Phillies are a minus 166 favorite with Ranger Suarez on the mound and Brandon Fodd going for the Diamondbacks. Ranger Suarez in this postseason has thrown 14 innings and allowed just one run. He's got a 0.64 ERA this postseason. That includes eight and two-thirds innings against Atlanta and five and a third shutout innings against the Diamondbacks in Arizona earlier this series. The thing that's scary about that, and obviously you want your pitcher going in on a heater, and and he is, but that sounds an awful lot like the two guys who went in last night, Aaron Nola and Christian Javier, who were just dominant in this postseason so far. And, you know, both of them went home with a big fat L yesterday. So, yep. uh, you know, well, you could say the same about Brandon Fodd. Brandon Fodd went five and two thirds shutout innings in that same game yep. against Philadelphia. And Fodd uh, going, you know, he gave up the three runs against Milwaukee, but in a combined, you know, uh, 10 innings between the Dodgers and the Phillies. He's only allowed four hits and he struck out 11 and hasn't allowed a run. Well, and we talked so he's about on a heater as well. We talked about the the top of the Astros order and how good they were and the bottom just did nothing. The, the top three guys in that Phillies order who I mean, that's that's the engine of this Phillies team, Schwarber, Turner and Harper. And for those three guys to go 0 for 9, I mean, you're, you're the Phillies aren't going to win games when that happens, particularly yep. on a night where Aaron Nola is not sharp. But those are the three guys that have have pushed it I guess to a lesser extent uh Brandon Marsh who who hits usually seventh or eighth but it, th- that top three in the order has been the catalyst this this entire postseason and you feel like when when they're playing well uh the Phillies win and t- typically those three guys are playing well yesterday afternoon none of those three guys showed up and the, the mm-hmm. Philly the Phillies offense even though they had some hits you know Alec Bohm had a couple hits uh, Marsh again had a couple hits but they were they didn't ever really string anything together because when those top three guys get going usually one leads to the next guy to the next guy uh one guy gets a hit I, I usually have a good feeling one of the other two is going to get a hit they don't leave their guys out there very often and yesterday was a rare example where none of the three of them got going. So there was just no no spark at the top of that Phillies lineup. Looking at the props for tonight, Ranger Suarez's strikeout total is at two and a half. He struck out seven the last time. A pretty atypical performance for him because he's not a strikeout guy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, his total outs recorded tonight, though, for both of these pitchers are extremely low. Ten and a half for Suarez and eleven and a half for Fod. And if you're looking at just, you know, like look at game seven in the ALCS. We we saw both starting pitchers, well, Javier for different reason because he stunk, but Scherzer only went two and a third two and two thirds. And then, you know, Montgomery goes two and a third. So after backing him up. So managers are more likely to dip into the bullpen early. It's kind of an all hands on deck situation here in a do or die game seven. So I'm not sure exactly what the leash is going to be like for Ranger Suarez. What I do know is that he was he was extremely effective against the Diamondbacks when he faced them earlier this series. And then in the game after that, where they had Christopher Sanchez on the mound, Sanchez only went two in a third innings. But, you know, I thought that he 
was you know pitched uh, pretty decently. I mean, he gave up two runs, but I thought that he was okay. Maybe, maybe it's a lefty thing against Arizona. Arizona has good numbers against lefties, though, so that's why. I mean, they hit Sanchez, but they didn't hit Suarez. I don't know what to make of the outs props. To me, I don't have a feel for it. It could go one of two ways. Rob Thompson can go to the bullpen really early and go to Alvarado, or it could be a, or you know, like he went to Lorenzen yesterday, or Ranger Suarez can go four to five shutout innings. Well, let's talk about, I guess, the big question, and and we saw that the, the Rangers were willing to do this. It, it, they went back to their game five starter, Jordan Montgomery, on short rest. Do, do you think there's a possibility that we see either Zach Wheeler or Zach Gallen make an appearance in this game both of them threw over 90 pitches but when it's all hands on deck and the season's on the line do do they take a chance with guys like that so wheeler it would be saturday it'd be sunday monday it'd be the exact it same would... situation they just did with jordan montgomery so like will, yeah. will they will they treat wheeler and gallon like they treated jordan montgomery yeah i mean i guess it's a throw day right it's it's what your normal your normal throw can, schedule can you is, get so two or three innings out of those guys is is the, is the question and if i think the question is can you get one inning out of them and if you can get an inning or two of of what you got from zach wheeler in, in game five i mean that's invaluable the the diamondbacks don't want an inning or two of what zach gallon gave them in game five but you also assume that that's the best pitcher in your on your staff that's the best arm you've got available and in Game Seven, we see it typically all arms are available uh, in, in these situations. Well, both pitchers had said that they are available. So, I mean, when when asked, they said uh, Zach Wheeler said bullpens are usually a good day for me for some reason. He, quote: If he asks me to do it, I'll be it. down for sure. <laughs> in that case, like, sure. how, how do you not ask him to do it? How do you not yeah. say, "Well, I can get an inning or two out of Zach Wheeler." Yeah, of course you got to do it. Yep. Yeah, and yeah, even for I a, think... a Philly a Philly team that loves their bullpen, don't get me wrong. As good as that bullpen is, though, none of those guys are Zach Wheeler. Yeah, I, I think maybe a safe bet that you will see Wheeler maybe for an inning in this game. I, I think I think that's a safe bet. What's the, what's the total on this game? Total on this game is eight and a half. Boy, that feels high for. I mean, I say that feels high for a uh, a game seven, and then the. You know, the Astros Rangers, there was a million runs scored last night, but uh, that does feel high for a game seven. It does. Uh, it's a hitter's ballpark, but we just saw, you know, we just saw the game go under yesterday. Not for, I mean, for the Phillies lack of scoring, not for the Diamondbacks, Arizona. Yeah. I mean, even when Arizona was up uh, five to one in the seventh inning and at the bottom of the seventh, I'm still thinking, yeah, Phillies can win this game six, five. Phillies can win this game seven, five. Like they're just, they're a bloop and a blast away from getting back into this ball game. And you know what's interesting is maybe the start time affected the Phillies a little bit because if you look at the games that they lost in this series, they lost the earlier start times. Yeah. Well, I mean, they also lost the late start time, but, you know, um, I don't know. We'll see. Shadows weren't really uh, that big of an issue early on they certainly didn't affect the diamondbacks hitters but they won't be an issue tonight as it is a uh normal uh start time of 807 so a late start time so no shadows in play at all listen much like the astros last night you're at home you don't have excuses you win your home game and whatever time yep. it is whatever the case phillies have to win this game 
Well, the NBA season tips off tonight. No, not the preseason. The regular season tips off tonight with a doubleheader on TNT. AJ, we have the Lakers at the Nuggets in game one. The Suns at the Warriors in game two. Game one for the Lakers at the Nuggets. Denver, a five-point favorite in that game. And the Suns-Warriors is a pick Any feel for these games tonight? I mean, the the fact that the Warriors are a pick against the Suns is a little surprising to me. Um, as high as everyone seems to be on the Suns. But I guess the Warriors had a pretty good preseason. Um, but even at Golden State, where, I mean, obviously the Warriors have a, a strong tradition of winning, that number surprises me a little bit. Uh, and then obviously, you know, Denver at five, again, I mean, it, it all depends on what Lakers team shows up. You know, LeBron will tell you as as Anthony Davis goes, so go the Lakers. But I think a lot of people still think Ant- uh, LeBron James has to b- play a pretty big role as well. Uh, do the Nuggets relax a little bit after uh, uh, winning a championship? Uh, these are they're both fascinating matchups. Certainly, it's a good a good start to the week, a uh, good start to the season. A, a nice nice couple games to put out because I think these are two well matched games. Um, I, I, I'm I'm excited again. I'm no NBA expert, but I'm excited to see. Uh, excited to see how these guys go at it i, I want to see if austin reeves continues to be austin reeves from the playoffs like are we going to see austin mm-hmm. reeves continue to be like a focal point for this team i'm just curious to see what chris paul looks like so. that's a good, yeah, a good good point as well and just the lakers and the warriors two two teams with brand new parts that are going to be very interesting to watch the, the warriors who knows what i mean think about that chris paul but no draymond uh this is going to be a way different looking warriors team than we've seen in some time just one game on the NHL scoreboard last night because tonight is a monster night. I'll tell you why in just a moment. But the Canadiens defeated the Sabres in Buffalo last night 3-1 as uh, it got a great performance from Jake Allen in net who made 36 saves against the Sabres last night. But the reason why last night was only one game on the schedule is because tonight is hockey frenzy. You hear that, AJ? What does that mean? Does that mean everybody's playing? That means everybody is playing. ESPN calling it the frozen, excuse me, frozen frenzy. The frozen frenzy. 16 games, 32 teams, everybody in action tonight in the NHL. Let's run through the schedule and the odds currently on these games. The Maple Leafs are at the Capitals. Toronto is minus 170. Joseph Wall will be in net for Toronto. Darcy Kemper likely to go for the Capitals. The next game up is the Ducks at the Blue Jackets, where Columbus is a minus 145 favorite at home. Elvis Merzlikens likely in net for Columbus. John Gibson for the Ducks. The Sabres playing on the second night of a back-to-back. Usually not a good thing to do. They are at the Senators. Ottawa is minus 160. I can already tell you Ottawa will be a lean for me. Anton Forsberg likely to go for Ottawa. Uka Pekka Lukakinen <laughs> scheduled to go in net for Buffalo. 
Yeah, you heard me correctly. Yeah, yeah. I said that. I said that right. Hurricanes are at the Lightning. Carolina is minus 125. Pyotr Kochetkov scheduled to go for Carolina or likely to go. Jonas Johansson for the uh, Lightning in net. The Devils are at the Canadiens. Montreal on the second night of a back-to-back. Usually not a good thing. New Jersey minus 210 in this game tonight. Vitek Vanacek likely to go. Sam Montemblanc. Likely to go because Jake Allen got the start last night. The Stars are at the Penguins. Dallas, a minus 115 favorite in this one. Tristan Jari for Pittsburgh. Jake Ottinger scheduled to go for Dallas. You have the Sharks at the Panthers. Florida, minus 276. And San Jose, 0-4-1 to start the season. The bottom-ranked team in my power rankings does not have a win on the season. That that. Fits the mold. Does that change Kapo tonight? Kockenen. No. Kapo Kockenen <laughs> in net for the Sharks. Anthony Stellars scheduled to go for the Panthers. The Avalanche are at the Islanders. Colorado minus 140 on the road there on Long Island. Ilya Sorokin at home. Usually a good uh, bet. Uh, Alexander Georgiev 5-0 and on the season. A 158 goals against average scheduled to go for Colorado. This could be an under game. In or on Long Island, the Avs five and zero to start the season. The Islanders two zero and one at home. The Kraken are at the Red Wings. Detroit is a minus one forty favorite. Villa Huso likely to go in net for Detroit. Philip Grubauer in net for the Kraken. The Bruins. 5-0 on the season at Connor Bedard and the Blackhawks. Boston, a minus 235 favorite. Jeremy Swayman likely to go. Peter Morazic for Chicago. And will Connor Bedard go over his shots on goal prop? The Blues are at the Jets. Winnipeg is minus 190. Connor Hellebuck probable. Jordan Binnington for the St. Louis Blues. Oilers are at the Wild. Minnesota is minus 120 with Philip Gustafson probable for them. Jack Campbell likely to go for the Oilers. Canucks are at the Predators. Nashville is minus 120 with UC Soros in net. Thatcher Demko likely to go for the Canucks. Rangers are at the Flames. New York, a minus 135 favorite on the road with their starter, Igor Shesterkin, in net. And Jacob Markstrom scheduled to go for Calgary. Coyotes are at the Kings. And L.A. favored in this one, minus 205 with Cam Talbot in net. Connor Ingram confirmed in net the backup for the Coyotes. And finally, the 6-0, undefeated, undisputed, unstoppable Vegas Golden Knights are minus 225 at home against the Flyers. Logan Thompson likely to go for VGK. Carter Hart for Philadelphia. Will the Knights, AJ, make it 7-0 to start the season? Of course. What's the record? Is it 10-0 to start a season? Yeah. 10-0 Ten and zero to start the season, uh, last done by the Buffalo Sabers in two thousand six. Before that, the Toronto Maple Leafs in nineteen ninety three. So ten and zero, the longest streak to start an NHL season. It seems it seems certainly doable at this point. Well, with the NBA season beginning tonight, there's no better time than to get an NBA season-long subscription package, and our very own Mackenzie Rivers is the very best when it comes to the NBA. Three straight seasons. What is he, 57% winners? That's insane. 
It's insane. Well, here's the coupon code where you can save money on McKenzie's NBA season all access. Save $50 using the promo code MAC50. M-A-C-K-50 is going to get you $50 off McKenzie Rivers NBA season all access. You get every pick for the entire NBA season from McKenzie Rivers. 57% winners documented for three straight seasons. Mac 50 save $50 at pregame.com. For AJ Hoffman and Steve Fezzik, I'm Scott Seidenberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Oh, yeah.